0: Okay, this morning I want to talk about the God factor and uh, it's going to sound like you've heard this message for the last four weeks just in different verbiage, (laughs) but I feel like it is so important right now that we press into who God is and what he has promised and how he positions himself to fulfill what he's called us to do. you know, over the last month or so, I've been reading Genesis. And I started in the middle of Genesis. I started with uh, Jacob um, and just read Jacob and God kept saying, read it over, read it over. So I read it over, over and over day after day. And he spoke to me in this one scripture out of, Je- out of, out of Jacob's story in Genesis 28, 15. He, he, he told Jacob that I will protect you and I will fulfill the promises I've given to you. And that really just, it was like seared on my heart. And then I went on to read, um, Isaac and, and Rebecca and, and read that whole story. Then I went over and read Jacob, I mean, Joseph. So I was all over the place. I didn't read Genesis from one to 39 or 42, whatever 42, I think. I I ended up kind of going through it in the places that God had shown me. But what I realized was I gained a whole different perspective in reading that way. And the perspective I gained was I saw the promises of God fulfilled through the different lives, through Jacob's life, through Isaac's life, through Joseph's lives. And now I've gone back and read Abraham, and, and it's interesting how you see all this is lined up out of this promise out of Abraham. And that's where we're gonna to go today to Genesis 12. We're gonna read that. And I wanna talk about this God factor that we have to remember in this season that we're in because God will trump any plan of the enemy that is going to interfere the promises he has given us so his kingdom is built everything that he has promised us is for the sake of his kingdom everything he does through us is to build the kingdom of god on earth as it is in heaven and we can walk with assurance knowing that god is superimposing his plan over the events that is that are happening now so we can have clarity uh, in what's going on. You know what superimposed means? It's where you take something and put it on top of, uh, you lay it over something else so that what's going on is evident. So God is super imposing what he has planned for us over what the enemy is doing around us. So we can see clearly what is the enemy and what is God. And it's just, a—I feel like it's such a, a critical time of grabbing hold of his word. And um, I just want to talk through Genesis a little bit, starting in verse 12. And there's one place we're gonna land. And I just feel like it's a prophetic word for us in this season. Um, you know, we are—we really are in a battle and we've talked about it as we've talked about this Firewall USA. We are in a battle and, and we are gonna be victorious in this battle. We will win this battle because that's what God has promised us. There are no two ways about it. God has a plan and he will have victory in the midst of this. So when we, we look at Genesis 12, and we're just going to start in Genesis 12, read a little bit through Genesis, but um, let's start in verse one. It says, and I'm going to read out of the passion translation, because that just seems to be where my heart is right now. It says, now Yahweh said to Abram, leave it all behind. It's funny because in the Hebrew, that word means get out. It means get out, leave everything behind. There's an urgency to that word. It's not, um, you know, let's move on slowly together. It's like urgent. Let's get up, let's get out. And it's time to move forward because I have something different for you. It says, leave it all behind, your native land, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Follow me and I will make you into a great nation. I will exceedingly bless and prosper you. I will make you famous so that you will be a tremendous source of blessing for others. I will bless all who bless you and curse all who curse you. And through you, all families of the earth will be blessed. We are the families of the earth that are being blessed from the promise of Abraham. And it says, Abraham obeyed, Yahweh and left and Lot went with him. So Abraham is 75 years old. The Lord has told him to get out. And I did a little video on this the other day. I don't know if anybody saw it, but you sometimes you have to get out of where you are in order to get into the promise that God has for you. So Abraham had to take that step to leave everything that was familiar behind. His father's land, even the inheritance that he would have gotten from his father's land, he had to leave everything in order to get in to the promise that God had for him. And it says, and Abraham obeyed. And Abraham obeyed the call of God, even though he knew that Sarah was barren and unable to have children. Abraham, 75, Sarah, 65 but they went and they went out of the promise of god so he he moves out of that promise and let's just uh, go over to verse seven real quick it says then yahweh appeared before abraham and said this is the land he's in the land of the uh, canaanites this is the land i will personally deliver to your seed so isn't this interesting and i read this through one of the commentaries uh that just kind of you know how sometimes something will just catch your attention it said that every time there was separation in abraham's life separated from his land and we'll talk about being separated from Lot. every time there was separation god gave him a revelation when god is calling us to do something different He's gonna give us a revelation about what he's calling us to do. And I think it's either uh, seven times or nine times, uh, God shows up to Abraham every time there's a shift and he gives him another piece of the puzzle for what he's calling him to do. So just think about in your life, when God has moved you into another arena, think about the revelation that he gave you to go with that new place he was taking you. And uh, you think about, well, I gave up this, but I gave up this, I got out of this so I could get into this this favor, this stream of God that was gonna move me forward. And we, we, we have to remember that every time we're moved forward, the kingdom is moved forward. And that is his plan for us to move the, the kingdom forward. Then famine hits the land. And we, we've read about famine all through Genesis. It seems like famine, every time we turn the corner, famine hits the land. And in verse 16, you know, we talk about the famine. So Sarah has been given to the Pharaoh uh, because Abraham is afraid that they'll kill him to take her because she's so beautiful. And, you know, Sarah is 65 years old. And she is Gorgeous, she is beautiful. Her beauty attracts all the attention of, of Pharaoh of his men because of the the radiance, the beauty, that what God has done on her. So uh, God has done this uh, incredible thing with Sarah, and she becomes part of uh, Pharaoh's ha- uh, harem because she pleased Pharaoh. So she pleased, verse 16, it says, because she pleased Pharaoh, Abram got along very well in Egypt. He received royal treatment. He was given sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, camels, and male and female slaves, which, uh, think about this. He gets this incredible amount of wealth. What is the promise is that I will exceedingly bless you and prosper you. He gets this incredible amount of wealth during a famine. But something happens, and this is where we talk about how the God factor lays on top of this, because Sarah is in the middle of a harem. I mean, the Pharaoh has his opportunity to defile her and the promise of God to break the the covenant between God and Abraham, because it's not a promise of through Pharaoh will come your descendants. It's through your own flesh will come your descendants. So, so God intervenes and it doesn't say exactly how Pharaoh knew, but Pharaoh knew it says verse 17, but Yahweh struck Pharaoh and his household with terrible diseases because he had taken Abram's wife, Sarai. Now think about this. Pharaoh connects what is happening to his family, whether he had it in a dream or however he received it, is because he has taken someone that belongs to the Lord Almighty. And he sends for Abram and he says, how could you do this to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? And why did you lie to me by saying she is my sister, so that I took her as my wife? Now here, take your wife back and get out. He has to get out again. He has to leave. It says, "Be gone." And he and the Pharaoh said, gave him strict orders to get out. So here is this other time of separation. And verse two in chapter thirteen, 13 says, "Now Abram became." had become very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. So here's this other time of separation, and God has blessed Abraham in this time of separation. The revelation here is the fulfillment of a portion of the promise that God has made to him of great wealth and abundance and protection god intervened because he had to protect god's promise for the future of his kingdom and that protection and that intervention was for us and for our generations to come that does make you make you think this awe this sense of wonder this sense of you're, I, i'm it's almost like my breath is taken away by god's goodness on our behalf and even though abram is trying to protect himself protect sarah do all this god is like no i am your protection i am your reward i am your provision i am everything that you that you need and it it just stirs up that that faith and that confidence knowing that with God nothing is impossible regardless of what it looks like on the external side of it so you know God moves Abram out and he is has great wealth and so him and Lot have this abundant wealth this is going to be we're going to move into chapter 3 they have this abundant wealth and what happens, their herdsmen begin fighting among each other because there's not enough land, there's not enough room for all of them to fit. And Abram says, Lot, you pick where you want to go. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Whatever you want, you take, and I'll take what's left over. And so there's separation again. And he separates from his nephew, his brother's son. But in this separation, comes revelation in this separation verse uh, 14 in chapter 13 says after lot separated from him Yahweh spoke to Abram lift up your eyes look all around you to the north to the south to the east to the west as far as you can see in every direction is the land that I will give to you forever not for your lifetime Not for this week, but it is forever to you and your seed. So for our generations to come, I will multiply them until they are as numerous as the specks of dust on the earth. If anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could also be counted. Now get up and walk the land, its length and its breadth and all the land you walk upon will be my gift to you abraham receives this revelation in the time of separation and he he gets another whole piece that goes with the first that god gave him now not only am i going to multiply you and bless you your your blessing is going to be so numerous you can't even count it your 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 uh seed is going to be like the stars of the sky. There's going to be zillion, you can't even count them. You can't even see them all. He will not ever be able to see them all. I love this. And then uh Abraham this is going to be for 14 but uh chapter 14. Abraham uh decides to build an alliance with four kings. And this is where we're going to stop for a few minutes. I just wanted to kind of build this up a little bit. He builds an alliance with four kings. And these four kings are fighting against five other kings. And and there's this war, this battle going back and forth, back and forth. So Lot gets caught up in the midst of this battle. And the kings that Abram has aligned with actually capture Lot and all of his possessions. He takes everything. And of course, Lot is part of the promise. And so what does Abraham do? And I love this. Uh, Let's go to verse 11 in chapter 14. So we've got these kings, they're battling. They've scooped up Lot. It says in verse 12, they captured Lot. Abraham's nephew had been living in Sodom and took him and all of his possessions. Then in verse 14, it says, when Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been taken captive, by the four kings, he mobilized all the men in his camp, all 318 of them. Now I want want us to really think about this. He's got four kings and four armies. There was a lot more than 318 of them. There were thousands upon thousands of men that have been at war fighting against the other five kings. So Abram, Gets gets his three hundred and eighteen men, all who had been born and trained in his own household, and he pursued the invaders as far north as Dan. Now I want to. There's three hundred and eighteen men that had been born in Abraham's household and had been trained by him. So if you we look at the characteristics of Abraham, you know that he was a man of integrity. He was a man anointed by God. He was a man that was obedient to who God called him to be. Whatever God said, that's what he did. He believed what God told him was going to happen. And he raised these men to be like himself, to be pursuers of God, to believe what God said, to to follow God's word to the very T. So he has these 318 men that invaded these four armies, these four kings and their four armies. It says in the next verse, it says, then during the night, Abraham strategically divided his forces and defeated them. His forces attacked them and routed them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. And and that location was outside of the land that God had promised him. So he drove them out of the promised land. Mm -hmm. And when we think about this, we think about it doesn't take many of us to overthrow and take back what the enemy has taken from them. And even though those kings were his allies at one time, once they cross the line of taking what was his, taking his relatives, taking his possession, Abram's like, I'm taking back what God has promised. And Lot is a part of the promise because he said, "All of your descendants, your family." So, there's 318 men. Just think about this. Even as we talk about this firewall, there's more than 300. There's going to be tens of thousands of people that are going to join this. And we don't care about the millions of people that don't believe. And I, I say care, I don't mean it that way. We'll we'll talk about that. But we don't care about the enemies. Use against us to try to stop us because there's more of us because of the spiritual realm and because of the God factored into our lives. than there are there could be a zillion people. But with the. The ones of us that are united together and going with God, those zillion people don't stand a chance against God's plan to move his kingdom forward and the promise that he's made to each one of us because we are part of the kingdom movement. So it doesn't matter what is happening in the big scheme of things. What matters is what does God want us to do about it? The question is not why is this happening, God? The question is, what do you want us to do? How do we do it? And when do we start? That, that those really are the questions and God will strategically give us a plan just like he did abraham abraham strategically divided his his army you know that god was a part of that strategy you know that there were other factors that enabled abraham to defeat the the massive army that was holding Lot captive so this is what I want to do. I want to encourage us in this because I don't care what's going on around us. What I care is that we're strong in what the word says, because part of the cleansing of the land will be the word of God being released over whatever the problem is, because the word of God trumps anything the enemy has tried to do against us. It doesn't matter. The word of God trumps and. When we we have been in times of separation where, you know, we haven't all been able to be together. We haven't been able to be with our families and and different at our works, whatever it is. But God has given us revelation during this time. And he will use that revelation to move us forward. Even though we've had to get out of some of our situations, we are getting into the plan that God has for right now, his plan has been superimposed over this chaos that's been put across our earth. And I believe that as, as Jean talked about, and I talked about this month is a month of cleansing and, and we're cleansing the land. We have the strategy of God. We have our people mobilized and we're cleansing the land with the word of God, with the plan of God, with the promise of God. To fulfill and uh, move His kingdom forward, and there's there's been there are five things the Lord showed me, and I just want to read through them, and we're gonna we're just gonna touch on them for a few more minutes, and then we're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for us. But the enemy has come against our freedom. He is trying to oppress us. He's trying to take our freedom away. We've seen that uh, California has been giving the uh, mandate that they cannot verbally sing during church services. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that is a, a, um, a um, hijacking of our freedom. But we also know that the word says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So no one can prevent us from worshiping. And whether the churches in California decide that they're going to not obey what was told to them, and continue to do it in song or whether they're just gonna continue to worship in word, in in the spirit, whatever God leads them to do, we pray that protection over them because our freedom is is what God has given us. And we just celebrated we are the land of the free and we are not gonna give that freedom up. So our declaration over our nation, over our lives, over our churches is that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the spirit of the Lord dwells in this place. And so there's freedom here. It doesn't matter what the government says to us. Um, so there's been an attack against our freedom. There's also been an attack against our government. Uh, 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 there's been such a strong attack against our government. And First Timothy 2.2 says that when we pray for our government and leaders in charge, then we live in peace. So part of this whole movement will be praying for our government and the leaders in charge. It also says that um, in Psalms 122, six and seven, for some reason I lost that, Thought I put it on here. Let me read that real quick. Uh, Psalms 122, six and seven. Oh, oh, I thought that this is so important. I can't believe I didn't put it on there. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for all who love her will prosper and you know as as a as a country we have stood with israel in this season we have said that we are aligned with israel so when we align ourselves with israel that um it says oh jerusalem may there be peace for those who dwell inside your walls and prosperity in every place i intercede for the sake of my family my friends who dwell there that they may all live in peace For the sake of your house, Yahweh, I will seek welfare and prosperity of Jerusalem. So we will continue to align ourselves with Jerusalem and with Israel. But of course, that brings an attack against our government. But that's part of the enemy's attack. He wants us to back down from what we believe God has called us to do as a country. There's also been attack on our health through this coronavirus and other things. But... Um, the word of God says that in Psalms ninety-one ten, nor any plagues come near your tent. So we're declaring that there are no plagues that can come near our tent. That even in this month of July, there will be a cleansing of all plagues that has come against us and, and the nation and uh, against the world. So we're declaring that. And that third John 1 2 says, that we are to prosper and be in good health. So we declare now that we are going to be in good health just as your soul prospers. So there's been an attack against freedom at 2 Corinthians 3.17 against our government, which is 1 Timothy 2.2 2 and Psalms one twenty 6 through 7, against our health, which is Psalms 91.10 and 3 John 1, verse 2 against our food supply. You know, we read about the famine in Genesis 12. Uh, In Genesis 26, it says that Isaac sowed in the time of famine and he reaped a hundredfold. So that's what we're declaring over our land. We are sowing in this time of famine and our land will reap a hundredfold. So this food shortage will not affect our land that that there will be that superimposed plan of god for more than enough even as uh, brad and ruth were sharing just that little bit gave them more than enough for nicaragua we we are declaring with them that we will not have a food shortage in our country that god will provide for us so that's genesis 26. uh there's been a uh, the enemy has attacked our families He's tried to divide us. He's tried to create separation. He, he's tried to separate us not only from our uh, church family, but our, uh, what do you call it? You know, those relatives of ours, <laughs> <laughs> whatever they're called. But but we are not going be divide, to be divided. And I mentioned this earlier, um, Psalms 112, and I just want to read a little bit of it. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. We all fear the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on this earth. The generations of the upright will be blessed. So we're declaring that the enemy's plan against our family will not not succeed because the word says that we fear the Lord so we're blessed. That we delight in his commandments so our family will be mighty on this earth and that the generation of the upright will be blessed. So we declare that over our family throughout our nation, that we will be blessed and our descendants will be uh, mighty on this earth. And then the last one I wanted to mention was unity. And uh, there's been so much misinformation that there's been disunity, and I'm gonna talk about in the church. Uh, we, we can talk about the big world, but we're going to talk about it in the church. One thing I have noticed is um, a great critical spirit against each other with the best intentions. Uh, you know, uh, even the thing in California, as, as a leader, when when something happens, we have to get our get everybody together and pray and say, God, what you want us to do? And one thing I've seen on this uh, issue in California and people not being able to worship is this criticism of the church leadership if they don't do what this person thinks they should do. Uh, from, from I, you know, you need to forget what the law says and just sing. You need to not forget what the law is, says and, and not sing. You know, there's been this and I've seen all kinds of uh, calling names to the church leaders in California and they haven't even had a service since this happened. So it's the it's the internal battle. Is what we have to watch. We have to watch the family of God. It says, and I read the scripture earlier in Psalm 33, behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell in unity. We've got to support one another. We have to pray when uh, one another is being persecuted, whether it's California, we saw a message from uh, uh Andrew Walnut's ministry in, in Colorado, where they were given a cease and desist order from uh, meeting for their normal camp meetings. So we just have to pray for the wisdom of God to infiltrate uh, the areas that are being oppressed, attacked, come after, and not think that we have the capacity to judge uh, that leader And the decisions they're being faced with. So so we have to find unity with one another. And the unity comes through prayer. It doesn't come from the wisdom of our experience or, or what we think California should do. The wisdom comes through the intercession and prayer that will bring the answers to the people seeking a solution from God. So I just wanted to really uh, press into that because these next few months, July, August, September, October, we've got four months until the election. So these next four months, it's going to be the word of God and the power of unity of his people that's going to defeat every onslaught of the enemy. And it's going to enable us to see the plan of God so we can get out of the situation we're in and get into the plan that he has for us. That's the only way it's going to happen. It's the word of God. We have to read it day and night. We have to soak on it. We have to declare it. We have to encourage others in the word because it is the word that is the trump card against the enemy that thinks he has a full hand against us. He, you know, he thinks he's got a full, he thinks he's got us beat, but it, there's no way we are going to find, um, the plan of God in this moment, in this day, in this hour and tomorrow and the next day. And we are going to win because that's what God's plan is. His plan is not for us to be defeated. His plan is for us. Just like Abraham, we're going to take our 318 people. We're going to take our 10,000 people that are united together and we're going to win. And I want everyone to write that on your forehead, write it on your bathroom mirror. We are going to win and the enemy will not defeat us. It, and I want to read a couple other scriptures and then I'm going to be done. But I am so passionate about this because I, we've got to hold on to the word. God's word says that he loved us so much. He gave us his only begotten son, John 3:16, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is his promise to us that if we believe we will not perish and have everlasting life because he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved we're going for salvation of the world through jesus christ and we know in john 10 10 it says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy but jesus has come that we may have life and life more abundantly john 10 10 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Our weapons are divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments. Right now, we're destroying with, with the word of God being released today, the worship, the testimony, the offerings. It destroys the sophisticated arguments that exalts itself and and proud things that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. That is what we are doing. We're taking every thought and purpose captive and making it obedient to Christ. Everything has to come in obedience and we have the power to do this. So our war is not a physical war. We are warring with the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit and it will divide, it will kill, it will destroy any work that the enemy is using to come against us. Amen. So I know that um, there are things going on, but I also know that the word of God will destroy the enemy's attack against us because that's what it says. And we believe what it says amen so i want to pray for us and uh i just feel like uh we are going to be amazed and surprised uh just like abraham was when they destroyed uh, the, the armies of the king and took what was theirs we're going to be amazed and surprised at what what we're going to see god reap through our unity in prayer so father god we just thank you that your word is yes and amen that your word is true And when we release your word, it is a trump card over the enemy's plan against us. God, we're just asking for that, uh, uh, for you to superimpose your vision over what's going on so we can see the strategy of the war and the, the tactics that we need to take to defeat what's coming against us. And Lord, I just declare with my brothers and sisters, we will win we will win, we will win, we will win in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stuart.com. We'll see you next time.